Amen. So today's uh, was the title is the principles by which a leader is established. Should I make people write uh, a reflection on the on the blessing ministry? And of course, with my spiritual senses, I'm able to see uh, how, how what you're feeling, what you're receiving through the blessing ministry. But also, there are parts that I may miss. So that's why I'm curious to see your reflections. And some of you might be able to feel this. But the way that the Holy Spirit works upon each one of you is different from day to day. Some of you, uh, the Holy Spirit comes through the words of wisdom. Some of you, He comes in the form of uh, deliverance. And that's why it's so difficult to minister people because you have to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit to see how that person is at that moment. And I'm very physically tired from, from all of these ministries that I have been doing in January. And yet, starting tomorrow, there's another, another conference. But I'm doing this because it is the will of the Father. Ministering pastors is a hundred times more difficult than ministering lay church members. And on the other hand, it's a little bit easier to prepare because no matter what I prepare, they're not going to receive. So I, I might as well not prepare anything, right? Uh, but anyways, the reason why it is difficult to minister pastors is because they are so important. And how to tell if a church is the church of God or not is to see the head pastor. Is the head, head pastor serving God or is he serving something else? Then you can tell uh, the state of that church. And no matter what I say in this church, because you guys are my, my children, you can receive. And of course, the other pastors of Zoe ministry can, can also be called my children and my disciples. But they are also servants of God. They have the weight, they have the burden of a servant. But it is difficult to talk to them, speak to them, because I have to tell them about their weaknesses and their wickedness. And that is not easy to, to, to speak to a person who is um, a religious leader in, in these things. So I'm, gonna, I'm just going to leave everything to the Lord. Yeah. I'm trying not to be concerned about the conference. I'm just trying to cast away all my burdens upon the Lord. Hopefully my, my throat becomes better so I don't lose my voice uh, during the conference. But it's my body, become, because my body is tired, um, I'm losing my voice and I'm sick with the cold and stuff like that. But today, hopefully the sermon is gonna be short and brief. And since it's the installation worship, it might as well be short and clear, right? We got to rest afterwards. Now, if there was no conference tomorrow, then I might have preached for a little bit longer. <clears throat> but since there's a conference tomorrow, anyways, please remove these flowers next week. Because they're, they're, sh they're starting to wither and, and fall to the ground. So, is everybody back? Let's begin. 2 Timothy, as you all know, is the pastoral letter of, of the Ephesian church. It's during 
if Paul was martyred around AD 67 to 68, then around AD 50-something, he would have been imprisoned in, in Rome. And that's when Paul wrote this letter to Timothy, who, who was um, doing his, uh, his ministry. And there are several letters that were written to uh, the past, in, in the pastoral aspect. And there's a reason why those pastoral letters are written in the first and second, uh, written in two books. Look at 1 Corinthians. It's because the church is so wicked that Paul cannot help it but, but send this letter to warn them about their, their wickedness. And at the very least, Paul would have written four letters to the Corinthian church because he could not understand what they were doing. But in our perspective, the Corinthian church is actually a very mystical and powerful church. But Paul was very, very upset and disappointed with them. And he actually had to go through a lot of difficulties and sufferings because of the, the, uh, the church of Corinth. And he only ministered the Church of Corinth for three, three weeks, and so he could only help them by, by writing letters. But why did, he, why did Paul write First and Second Timothy then? It's because the Ephesian church was ministered by his disciple Timothy, and Timothy was young and still vulnerable and still spiritually uh, weak. And that's why Paul, with that responsibility, sent First uh, and Second Timothy to Timothy to help him out in his ministry. So First and Second Timothy is written to the Church of Ephesus. And, church, and as we know, the Church of Ephesus was very important during its contemporary time, and it was led by this young pastor, young leader, Timothy. And he was physically weak as well. And he struggled with, with the disease as well. So I, I can only imagine that he would be very uh, skinny and thin. So that's what, I think that's why Paul um, cared more for Timothy. So we got to understand the book of First and Second Timothy through the perspective of Ephesians. It is impossible for you to preach a different message from Ephesians and Timothy. In chapter 3 of Second Timothy is actually a eulogy of Paul that he wrote before he was about to die. So 2 Timothy is filled with Paul's eulogy, his last words, and the, 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 the final words that he wanted to speak to Timothy. And he talks about the, 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 the position of the pastor, what the job and the duties of the pastor. It also talks, it is, 
it is also an instruction for the pastors to, to, to operate the church and pastoring pastoring doesn't mean you have to, to, to do a lot of things in the church to, to, to make something of it but rather Paul is teaching Timothy how to let the Lord's uh, reign come into the church So it's the issue of what are those pastors who are allowing the reign of the Lord coming to their churches are, uh, to do in their churches? Not written as an instruction to do this, to do that, to do this uh, in the church, to be successful. And to allow the Lord to come into you and let His standards become the standard of the church. Because if you try to do it by yourself, no matter how much you tell the people to pray hard, to fast, to offer a lot of money to the church, that church will not become powerful. And that church will not be acknowledged by the standards of, standards of God. Pastors have to let the Lord be the, in charge of the church and let His standards become the standards for the church. And the book of 2 Timothy talks about what that pastor has to do in that system. Look at me. I'm, God is in charge of this church. And all I ask from the Lord is, Lord, what should I do for you in this church? Look at the blessing ministry we did this week. Do you think I'm praying for you? The, the prophecies that are coming out, of, that uh, prophecies that came out, came out of my own mind? No, it was all, it was all inspired to me by God, by His Spirit. And in my faith, uh, I think God spoke exactly what, in, what need, needed to be spoken to each one of you, all 500 of you. I don't think I had made any mistake during this, uh, this ministry. It's because I had no trouble with, the, with my relationship with the Lord at that moment. And so I'm sure I spoke clearly what needed to be spoken to you. And all of my words came out of inspiration. So don't complain about why I spoke these blessings to you, why I rebuked you or disciplined you. Those words were, were what you needed. And this pastoral epistle is written to the, the pastors of the church. You're not to pastor your own church, be in charge of your own church, but rather you need to let God be in charge of your church. If you don't understand what God's reign is, then, then the church will become nothing. It's just a gathering of people. And, the, and your followers will become just like you. If you are a smart pastor, then you, your followers will also become smart in their heads. But the good thing is your head pastor is, is not intelligent. So you guys are all not that intelligent as well. But thankfully, I am not in charge of this church. God himself is in charge of this church. And he's the God of wisdom. And that's why we are all wise and filled with knowledge. So 2 Timothy is written in this flow. And like the title, what is the principle that Paul used to raise and establish leaders in the Ephesian church? He uses three analogies. And through these analogies, he depicts, the, uh, he, he explains what is required of the people. So each verse talks about what, uh, what principle the leaders are to be trained and to be raised in. 
in verse 10, he also talks about the, 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 the ministry of Jesus. And starting from verse 11 to verse 13, this is a, a, praise, of, a praise of martyrdom, a praise song of martyrdom that they sang quite often in the early churches. So this is the overflow of uh, this, this, the main text today. So there's no reason for this sermon to be long, right? Let's, let's finish briefly. <clears throat> let's begin at verse 7, verse 1 through 7. Verse 1, You then, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. If you look at verse 2, it says, And the things you have heard me say in the presence of many witnesses entrust to reliable people who will also be qualified to teach others. So Paul's, Paul's not simply telling John, uh, telling Timothy to pass on the things that he has he has spoken to him right now, but rather this is the, the spiritual order of the church. First, God gives these words to Paul, and then Paul gives it to his disciple Timothy, and then Timothy passes on to the rest of the church. And that is how God is working in our church as well. There's, we're not holding cell group meetings out of, out of just chance. But this all came from this, uh, this was all established because God raised up leaders in His church. And our duty is, all of us in this church, our duty is to receive from the Lord and we need to let it, we need to share it with others and to share the things that you have received with others. If you keep receiving only, then there's an issue. In a way, you're not receiving, really, if you're not willing to share. Because if you receive, then naturally you'll be able to share. So look at how this church is operating right now. If you're unable to give, unable to share, then that means you're not within the system of the church. And after a certain period of time, you should become a leader and you should become a source of blessing to others. Uh, and all these blessings also, you uh, of course, you receive from the head pastor. And I am an apostle in this church. And I have to share this apostle uh, thing. Uh, anointing to others. And if I'm a prophet, I will share the prophetic anointing to somebody else. That is how you should be serving the church. So I'm not telling you to try very hard, but that, but this is how God has been leading and, and has been operating in this church. Even right now, many of you don't realize what, what, what uh, duty has been given to you. Are you a prophet? Are you uh, an apostle? Are you a teacher? Are you an evangelist? And to those people, you got to realize quickly why you're unable to share. At first, when we were small in numbers in this church, in one year, everybody will be a part of that system. And right now, we cannot, 
It's incomparable with before. We cannot say it's better or we cannot say it's worse. But back then, the scale of the Lord, uh, the presence of God was stronger. But right now, the, the, the scale of the Lord is greater because we have more people. So naturally, we have become more powerful because we have more people. But also, the, 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 the intensity is, cannot be said that it is stronger right now because of numbers. Right now, God is making us and, and guiding us to become one, to become unified, so that even though there are 500 people here in this church, we, we will be moving like one person. So you got to become a strong link in this change. You cannot say, oh, since there's 500 people, probably somebody, somebody else will be covering for me or somebody else will be doing better than me and, and take a step back. That is, that is not uh, the right mindset. So that's why I have not given up upon uh, given up prayers regarding you guys. Because if I gave up, I wouldn't care about the, the spirituality of a, of, of, a single, uh, of a single individual in this church. But I pray for you guys every day because none of you can become a whole. None of you can, can become a source of, 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 of uh, become the person that is, that is uh, weighing down this community. And if you're unwilling to accept this fact, then you, you have to leave this church and go to a religious church. So to entrust people is a very important principle to ecclesiology. If you have received, then you must share. In Ephesians 4.11, it says, if you're unable to receive this uh, order and you're unwilling to acknowledge it, then you've got to quickly gain faith and come back to, to accepting and acknowledging and being a part of this system. So meditate upon the, the words, of, uh, the sermons of Ephesians if you don't really know what it means to be a church. And of course, as the head pastor of this church, I am an apostle firsthand. But the other, it doesn't mean I'm unable to do the task of the other, other uh, three systems. And the teachers of NCB, you got to become a nurturer. Because without that, without that spiritual gift, you won't be able to nurture and teach the next generation. And when you're, when you're utilizing these, this, the, the, the position that God has given you in this church, then that is how you can uh, make, abundant this, uh, make this church abundant. So imagine if your finger rotted. Does that only affect your finger or does it just affect your hand? No, that rotting finger affects the whole body. We got to become a functional body of God who is the head of his church. And so we as the body we must follow after his orders. And this is impossible if you become an organization, but it is possible because we are a church, not an organization. This is how tremendous a body is. If you are a body of Christ, there's nothing that you should really be, uh, nothing should really be difficult for you in this life. Right now, the reason why I'm preaching to you is not because I have meditated, not because I have uh, uh, analyzed and, and gone deeply into uh, interpreting the message of God. No, it's because God spoke to me and I'm just speaking what, to you what He has spoken to me. And for the past 25 years, I've preached out of most of the books of the Bible. 
and I have spent half of, of the year overseas doing conferences. Do you think I can manage this by my own thoughts, by my own ways? But, but I've done it. How? It's because I, I was not the one in charge. It's not because I have analyzed. It's not because I have researched. But because I have allowed myself to become filled with the fullness of God. And of course, through some period of training, God built up the structure within my spirit. And it's not easy to preach. And I don't even preach, and I'm not a short preacher as well. I preach for two hours at the very least. And my wife always nags me saying, why are sermons becoming longer and longer? What am I talking about? I'm saying that it, it was done by God. And Paul emphasized one mind, one spirit, and one love. The reason why he's emphasizing this is because we have to be in one spirit, one mind, and one purpose, and in one truth. And we got to move as one entity. And today, Paul talks about his own gospel. And according to his gospel, the church needs to move together as if it is one uh, organism. So don't say, I'm, I'm not enough. If It's just one person. It doesn't matter if I don't give my tithes. I'm just one individual. But that's not the case. Your spiritual condition affects the rest of this holy community. If one, if, if one body part rots away, then the whole body will be affected by it. This is the relationship we have with one another. If you're unable to accept this fact, then that means you don't know... It. You're not, uh, you're not accepting ecclesiology. Look at the Old Testament. The whole of Israel was judged because of the actions of one man, uh, Egan. And when we are made perfect, the the, the the believers of the Old Testament also become holy and perfected because we are connected in one life source. So right now, as we are, as we are fighting on this earth, who is, who is uh, supporting us? Who is encouraging us? It is the righteous beings, the believers of the Old Testament. And so that's, that's how the church operates. That's, that's how the church works. We are all working towards one goal. And if I didn't believe in this principle, then it would be crazy of me to, to wake up at, at 3 a.m. Every, every morning to pray for each one of you. And it's not like the church is paying me uh, a, a great salary for my, for, my harsh, uh, for my work, for my labor. If, if that was the case, I would have been exhausted and overworked long, long ago. But because I believe in the spiritual flow and spiritual principle, if you are a part of this community, then I would not be able to let you go. And I would not stop praying for you. But if a person lose, uh, doesn't have a calling to this church and continues to neglect uh, uh, these, these words of caution and, and the Lord's call, uh, voice to, to call them back to the church, then they have to be exiled. They have to be let go. But as long as you have a calling to this church, I will never give you up. 
I will pray for you to the very end. And that's why I've told uh, Deacon told you to fast, even though she has failed three times in the past. And if you're, if you're getting tired, then you can quit. Just do it one more time then. Or just do 40 days next time. So don't call me, uh, call me out on this. This is the, 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 the calling of the Lord. And this is the spiritual order of the church. Do not think of yourselves as an individual in this church. God, it is His decision, His promise to make us holy and blameless. And that is His decision. It is given, it applies to us all. Do not think about, oh, that doesn't apply to me. That's not for me. Uh, Deacon Cole's uh, apartment, the elevator is going through construction, and so even though she's fasting, she has to take the stairs. And I think her husband is is is, is carrying her up the stairs and down the stairs. So think about how much glory God has prepared for us and for this church. Having so many people fast in this difficult season. But anyways, let's move on. So that's what the, the word entrust uh, means. <clears throat> so right now, even though Paul is speaking to Timothy, but he's also speaking through Timothy to the leaders of the church and to the rest of the church. We've got to interpret this whole message in that context. He's not simply just speaking to, to Timothy. In John 17, also, Jesus speaks to himself, but he, through himself, he is also speaking to the, his disciples and to the rest of the believing, believing community. So verse 1, even though he's speaking, directly to his son, Timothy, but Paul is speaking to the rest of the church through this letter to Timothy. And like I always say, if you just receive a spiritual influence from me, then your spiritual growth will be slow. But if you're receiving the spiritual influence from, from everybody else as well, then you will grow rapidly. And of course, there is a, there is a, a the, the danger of, of receiving bad things from each other. But it's okay. It will be covered. It will, it will be... Um, but still, the, 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 the benefits are much greater than um, not receiving anything from others. It's because God works in this church as if it is an assembly. We, we minister one another. We intercede for one another. We, we, we pray for each other when, when uh, there's a need. So in Yerbang Church, there's no reason why you cannot be completed. Because God makes everything. He makes everything possible. That's how His kingdom works. Look at Pastor Fong. 
all the other people were, were had to scatter because they were caught on the border at the border of Mexico. But yet his family was able to make it safely into the U.S. And yesterday, shortly he was he was arrested, and we thought that was it. But they they brought, uh, they used the money that we gave them to to for their bail. They paid the fine and they were bailed. So he says, you then my son be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. So first of all, the leaders of God need to be strong in his grace. We have to be strong in grace. What does it mean to be strong in grace? It means there's no compromise in you receiving grace. In Matthew 4, it says those who do not receive will, be, will have the things that they have be taken away. But those who are able to receive will, will share more than, they ha- more than what they have. So that's why we have to give up everything to be able to, to be in the place of grace, to be able to receive grace from God. And that means to be in Christ Jesus. And being in Christ Jesus means His Holy Spirit is within you. And we have to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And when you're filled with the Holy Spirit, it also means that you're, you're in Christ. You abide in Christ. So that's why we have to maintain the fullness of the Holy Spirit. And within Jesus Christ, not only is there grace, but there's everything that is, all the spiritual blessings that, that, that exist um, be, uh, is prepared for us to receive. You cannot fill a cup with, with dirt, oil, and also water. And, you, and when it is filled with different uh, substances, it cannot, be, it cannot be called filled with one thing. But this is possible when it comes to the spiritual order of God. We can be simultaneously filled with grace, filled with love, filled with anointing. And this, only, this doesn't only apply to the leaders of God, but it applies to us all. We've got to be strong in the grace of God. What is grace? Grace is, the pres- grace is a present. It is a gift given to us by God. And look at children. Children who eat well, grow well as well, and they're healthy. But those of you who are short and, and weak, it's because you, have, you haven't eaten a lot as a child. If you eat well, then you will grow well. And there are people that are skinny even after eating, uh, even when they're fed well. It's because there's, there's something medically wrong with them. <clears throat> if you eat a lot, then becoming fat is very natural. That means your, your body is healthy. But there are people who lose weight even, even though they're eating a lot. But it doesn't necessarily mean that there's a medical issue with you. That maybe your metabolism is very high and that's why you burn a lot of calories naturally and that's why you have to eat more. But normally, if you eat a lot, you would get fat because you won't be able to burn all, off all those calories. But likewise, if you receive a lot of grace, then you will become strong and big. You cannot become strong by yourself. So receive from God. We've got to become strong with all the things that God gives us. 
On the other hand, if you live uh, in, in self-centeredness, then you will be weak uh, towards grace. It won't be easy for you to receive grace. Right now, the same amount of grace is being poured upon every one of you, but some of you are, are, some of you are, are receiving a limited amount because you have not allowed yourself to be open to God fully. There are spiritual bindings, uh, emotional wounds, and all these, all these things will become an issue for you to, to receiving the grace of God. So, we've got to be strong in the grace of God. We've got we to be strong in receiving. You don't have to be strong in any other uh, aspect. Just receive grace in the place of grace. People who receive a lot of grace will become leaders. Let's move on to verse 2. And the things you have heard me say, he says, in the presence of many witnesses. And these are the witnesses that were there when uh, Timothy was, was uh, ordained as the leader. And also, uh, the, the, the believers of the Old Testament, the righteous ones of the Old Testament, are, are also our witnesses in heaven. And when we come together in worship, heaven, the, the people of heaven, the heavenly assembly also comes together to, to hold this worship service with us. Because we are, as we are connected with one another in one life, we are also connected with them in one life. Right now, Jesus, God, the angels, and the, the, our spiritual ancestors are all looking down upon us, watching over us this, this service, and also being a part of this worship. So that, what it, that's what it means to be in front of these witnesses. And the things you have heard me say in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to reliable people. So reliable, reliable people, reliable people who are obedient. And that is the characteristic of a leader of God. If you're obedient, then nothing really becomes an issue. Because as long as you're obedient, the Lord take, takes care of everything. So when you look at your, your character, um, your personality, and being obedient and reliable is, is kind of far away from you, then there's an issue to your leadership. If you constantly doubt the words of the leader, if you're, if you're unwilling to follow the flow, then that is not true obedience. And these characteristics, characteristics can be found in all the leaders of, of the Lord, in Moses, in Elijah. It is the basic mindset of all the leaders of God. They're fully obedient to God. They're not easily swayed by the world, by money, by people. That mean, that's not being obedient. That's not being loyal to God. You got to become loyal, become obedient to God, and if you're loyal to God, then He will uh, take care, take take care of the rest for you. And no matter how talented you are, no matter how excellent you are, if you if you serve this master, that master, go go from here and there, then nobody's gonna want you in the end. So you got to pray for the Lord to give you um, this, this, this strong loyalty. 
your spirit is your spirit and your mind is constantly focused uh, in God. But if you're easily distracted and you keep jumping from here to there, then you're gonna pray to God, saying, "Lord, would you give me this focus? Would you give me this heart of loyalty?" And you gotta continue to kill your flesh because your flesh uh, takes you out of that focus. Uh, to rely on people who will also be qualified to teach others. So when you when you become a leader yourself and you tr- and you and you and you share these things with the people below you, your disciples, then your disciples will also become teachers themselves. If you're reliable, if you're loyal, then you can teach. If you're not reliable and you're not loyal, then you, no matter how talented you are, you will not become a teacher of the next generation. Only those who are reliable in the eyes of God can be acknowledged as his leaders because he is able to entrust his grace to them. So it's important for us to become reliable and loyal. Amen? Now, first of all, verse 3. Now, uh, Paul talks about these three analogies. Join with me. And people who are strong in grace and are reliable can become a good soldier. And they can become a good athlete and also a good um, farmer. So fundamentally, these characteristics of being strong in the grace of Christ and also reliability is found within uh, the leaders of God. And these characteristics have to be applied to you, regardless if you're a leader or not. Even if you are not a leader, you have to continue to be in the place of grace to receive grace from, grace from God and be loyal to Him. Sometimes, it's difficult for you to receive grace uh, in this service. It's because your portion is too little and since you have received grace little by little during the week, you're not, you, you don't require to receive any more grace um, uh, on Sunday anymore. And you instinctively do this because grace, your, your whole week has been filled with grace. Your portion is filled, so you don't, you no longer yearn for more grace during worship. You say, it's fine, it's fine if I don't receive so much today since I'm already filled. So raise your hand right now, and honestly raise your hand if you're not able to receive grace right now. I'm thankful that none of you raised your hand. Before, when you guys don't raise your hands, honestly, I would say uh, some, some of you are deceiving me. But I'm now willing to believe that none of you are, are like that. And that's why the service after a conference was so difficult. Even up till last year, that was the case. Because your portion is so small that it is filled already during the conference. And so you no longer long for this grace during the Sunday service. But no, you gotta, you gotta expand your scale, expand your bowl so that you crave, not crave, but you desire for more grace. Verse 3. Join me in suffering like a good soldier of Christ Jesus. Uh, 
This is a very good common analogy for the Church of Ephesus because the Church of Ephesus was a church of spiritual warfare. They constantly engage in spiritual warfare. And even this year during the blessing ministry, I emphasize spiritual warfare upon this, upon uh, each of you. The reason why I tell you guys to engage in more spiritual warfare is because God has helped us to reach that level of, 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 of uh, fighting abilities. Of course, we've been fighting for the past 25 years, but God has raised, up to, raised us to another level. So, so in this new season, you've got to fight even more. And according to ecclesiology, each church is a tetriarch. We are entrusted, God has entrusted the, uh, its surrounding neighborhood to the church. So we got to fight for that, for, for that region, for that neighborhood. And God has already given all of his power and authority to the church for them to be, for, for the church to be able to fight off these uh, attacks and take charge of their regions. And we got to fight the enemy to take back the things that they have stolen away from the church. So the church of God must become uh, experts in spiritual warfare. You need to have power and authority to be able to tie and untie the things, of, uh, things in the spiritual world. And the thing is, if the enemy do not touch us, if we do not touch them, then it will be fine. You don't have to engage in a battle, battle necessarily. But since the enemy does not stop to attack us, even though we don't do, we don't even if we don't engage in this battle with them, we gotta fight and defend ourselves. So. The first image of the leader is a good soldier, is a warrior. If you are strong in grace and you're loyal, then you can become a good soldier for God. So a good soldier joins me in suffering. You might think a good soldier shouldn't go through sufferings. But that's not what... Jesus says, because spiritual warfare itself is not easy. Spiritual warfare will cause you to go through times of hardships and difficulty. But how can a soldier receiving, receive a medal? The soldier receives a medal after uh, he has been on the battlefield, after he's victorious. So it is a great misconception for you to think that you can be safe and sound as you're a believer of God. That means you are falling into the desire of security. And the more you fall into the desire of security, the more your flesh will be empowered. But no, you got to let yourself go onto the battlefield and fight and conquer and take back the things that were stolen. But if you start to lose in this battle, you, you become strong in the flesh and your, your prayer will be bound. You, you won't be able to become powerful in your prayer life. You won't be able to fight, engage uh, against the enemy, and take back what is stolen. When you listen to me praying, you will realize that if I was to pray for six hours, then three hours would be filled with me fighting. I would be fighting, engaging, and, and taking over, uh, conquering my enemies. And that's why in the spiritual world, I'm quite famous. I say, let's, let's not engage with Pastor Kim because 
he's he's difficult to to attack. So the, so the important thing is for you to become a good soldier. If you're going through sufferings in your walk with God, then that means you're walking on the right path. Do not fall into this false sense of security. What is the strategy of the enemy then? As you're living on this earth, if God is reigning over you, then you will not long for, for your flesh to, uh, to be safe and sound. If you think, I'm, I'm fine right now, I'm fine with where I am, I don't have to engage in battle to, to take more, I'm just I'm satisfied, then that means you are heavily deceived by the enemy. But when you're walking correctly with the Lord, God has given you holiness. And when you have holiness, that becomes a beacon for the enemy to come and take uh, to, to attack you. And God allows that because those sufferings and those hardships allow you to grow more and more powerful. But if you think you can live a good life without prayer, then that means you're heavily bound and heavily deceived by the enemy. Do not long for this security. Do not long to be safe and sound uh, on, your, on your days on this earth. To, we can rest in His kingdom that is coming very soon. So don't think to rest uh, while, while you're living on this earth right now. And God doesn't allow us to live comfortable lives because He knows how wicked people are. He knows that when we are comfortable and safe, we will cease to pray, we will cease to engage in spiritual warfare and be satisfied with the things that we have. So if you say, I have no desire for more holiness, I'm fine right now, then that is a very dangerous, um, dangerous warning sign. And why are we able to endure through these sufferings? It's because we know uh, what, what is coming to us after the suffering is much greater. So that's why we have to engage in spiritual warfare and continue to fight and be victorious in this battle. Always remember and believe that what is given, being supplied to you by God is much greater uh, than the things that are given to you by the, by the world. So you got to enjoy this suffering. In order to become a good soldier, and uh, there are several conditions to becoming a good soldier. A soldier has to be an excellent marksman. He needs to be be uh, good in, in 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 good in stamina. But according to Paul, what are the good uh, what are the conditions qualifications for a good soldier? He says in verse four, no one serving as a soldier gets entangled in civilian affairs, but rather tries to please his commanding officer. So this is connected to being uh, reliable, being loyal. A good soldier cannot be entangled in personal issues. 
let's say a soldier is about to go in, engage in battle, and he suddenly says, "Oh, give, give me a break! I have to, I have to call my girlfriend or something like that." Is that possible on the battlefield? No. So, what are these civilian affairs? There are two words for uh, life in the Bible. One is zoe, and the other is bayu. And zoe is the eternal life of God, but bayu is the life of beasts. So being entangled in civilian affairs means you're bound to the life of beasts. So first of all, soldiers and uh, believers of God, we are... We are all public figures. And being a Christian means you are not... You're not just a personal being. You're connected with the rest of the community. You're connected with God. So you shouldn't think of yourself... Uh, think of yourself lightly. So look at this finger. I say you 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 hit this rock, uh, hit this finger with a rock. Then you would this finger with hurt. Uh, you would you would feel pain in this finger. But why does your mouth say "ouch" when your finger is hurting? It's because the rest of the body feels that pain with the finger. If we were all. Uh, divided, then the finger itself should be crying out in pain, not my mouth. So in the perspective of the church, Christians are not personal beings, but we are all public figures. So you got to acknowledge that as you live in this, in this world. The more you pray, the more you're, you, you maintain holiness, the more that more you're able to uh, influence this world to become holy as well. Do not forget this spiritual duty. And I can speak of many things. So do not be entangled in personal affairs. Why do we pray for this nation? Why do we pray for the rest of the world? It's because you are public figures. And being private to yourself, being personal all the time means you're not, uh, you're not serving God, but you're serving teraphim. And as long as you're standing before God, you're naturally connected to the rest of the world. And that is very important for you to remember. If it was written in the Bible that the, the duty given to a Christian is to believe well and to, to go to heaven, then, then that, that, that is the goal that we will be chasing after. But that is not the case. So if you're tied to your personal affairs, then you will become self-centered. You will become self-obsessive because you're living by the life of Bayou. So, so in order for us to live 
spiritually. We need to live with Zoe, not with Bayou. We shouldn't be tied to our, 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 the lies of our flesh, but the lies of our spirit. And you got to become light in your spirit. I say to other, the other pastors that you, you cannot be bound to your family. You cannot be bound to your ministry. You cannot be burdened by all these things. If you're burdened, if you feel responsible for all these things, then you, you should give up your ministry. Don't be, don't be a pastor any longer. In Deuteronomy, the Levites are raised to be the priests. And the standard that the Levites have to live by is to be loyal to God, to, and they cannot be bound, be tied to personal affairs or family affairs. People who are tied to their personal affairs will, will only be will, 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 will focus on trying to entangle themselves and, and get themselves out of that, uh, resolve the issues of their personal affairs throughout their whole lives. Their scale will never be, be, be able to transcend those boundaries. But when you live in God, you know that God takes care of you. God can resolve your issues. So you just leave it to Him. But if you're not doing that, then you would only look at the problems that are right before you and try to resolve this, those issues for the rest of your lives. But you got to have fellowship with God. When you have fellowship with God, you would receive His scale of faith as well. And that's why the enemy makes, makes, uh, attacks you for you to, be, to, to become self-centered, to be self-assessed, to, to deal with, to, and then he, he would create more and more personal issues for you to deal with because it keeps you busy in this way. But when you're living in God, you're going to acknowledge even your children, your, your family members, they're all raised by God. So you don't have to be responsible for them. So, to become a good soldier, you have to be able to go through the suffering of, of Jesus Christ. And also, you cannot be entangled in personal affairs. And as a good soldier, you got to be able to utilize the, the equipment that God has given to you, His spiritual armor and His spiritual weapons. Do not hold on to the strength of your flesh and be entangled in the life of, of Bayou. If you live spiritually, then you would fall, you will follow after the scale of, of the Lord. And you realize that your personal issues are not that important in the grand scale of God because He will resolve them. So that was the good soldier. Secondly, is an athlete, an athlete that competes. Similarly, anyone who competes as an athlete does not receive the victor's crown except by competing according to the rules. And there are many secrets to victory. We don't know what uh, competition Paul is talking, referring to here. But fundamentally, all athletes have some things in, com in, in common. First of all, they, are, they have good reflexes. And that, in, in our case, is spiritual sensitivity. If you do not have spiritual sensitivity, then you would lose the direction of God. 
And because you have lived in the flesh, you're more akin to your flesh. You're sensitive to the things of the flesh. But Christians, we need to be sens- more sensitive to the spiritual things. And you got to continue to maintain that state so that um, you become more accustomed and familiar with, this, with the spiritual senses. Too many times you, you choose to, to respond by your flesh. One day you'll be eating beef and you would think about duck meat. Right now, even though you're eating uh, pizza from Pizza Hut, you'll be thinking about Domino's. And as you're going through a suffering, you will be reminded of that other suffering. And rather than thinking about the victory that you received during that suffering, you will think about the pain and the difficulty that you had to endure through during that suffering. It's because you're, you're, you're too reliant on your spirit, uh, the, 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 the senses of your flesh. And if your current wife, not current wife, if your wife reminds you of your first love, then that means you're also uh, living by the, 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 uh, the senses, of, senses of your flesh. And these people, uh, their spiritual discernment is very dull and very weak. And they constantly expose themselves to the enemy and are very susceptible to attacks. But when you're spiritually sensitive, no matter what comes to you, situations, sufferings, people, it doesn't matter. You would, you would be focused on the will of the Holy Spirit. And you, you just follow the instructions of the Holy Spirit. And only when you maintain the fullness of the Holy Spirit for a while can you become spiritually sensitive. And what's the next characteristic? An athlete must be powerful. If you don't have energy, if you do not have power, then you will not be able to move. When you hit a baseball, you got to hit it with enough power to send it out of the stadium. And boxing as well, no matter how talented a person may be, if he's, if he's knocked down after one punch, then he won't be a good, he won't be able to be a champion. So what is power? It comes from the, the, the portion of holiness. If you have more, if your portion is large, then you will, have, you will be powerful. But if you're not holy enough, then you'll be weak, you'll be vulnerable. So, in order to become an athlete, what else must you have? It's endurance. You gotta you have endurance. When you're running a marathon, if you if you get tired after one kilometer, then you will never, never be able to finish that race. You need endurance, be able to endure through that, that tough race and, fi- and reach the finish line. So, especially to the enemy, you got to become thick-skinned so that they cannot easily come and overcome you. Let's look at 2 sec- Corinthians 9, chapter 9. Look at verse 
Oh, First Corinthians chapter nine. Do you not know that in a race all runner runners run, but only one gets the prize? Run in such a way as to get the prize. So Paul is talking about a race here. So he's probably talking about a marathon. Okay. And the point to this analogy is the reward. We will all be rewarded as long as we reach the finish line. So you got to endure through that race and, and, and reach the finish line. It doesn't matter what place you are. We don't, because uh, the speed of it is not that important for us. It is important for you to reach the finish line. In verse 26, therefore, I do not run like someone running aimlessly. And not running aimlessly means you have self-control. You don't run there, here and there, but you run in a straight line towards the goal. There's a famous uh, marathon runner in Korea. His name is Lee Bongju. And somebody asked him, what is the most difficult part about training for a marathon? He said that it's not the thousands of kilometers that you have to run in preparation, but the most difficult part is three days before the race, you would fast and then, and then only eat the And then you would eat uh, almost pure protein in the in, in the very end, right before the race. So eating eating white meat without any uh, flavoring or any salt, and that's the amount of self control that one needs to prepare uh, for a race such a, as a marathon. And I was an athlete before in in taekwondo. And before, before we, we go to a competition, you gotta be weighed. There's the weighing in. And, it, and if you're overweight, then you gotta, you gotta fast and starve for a couple of days so that you can reach that uh, weight limit. But good athletes will control their bodies and, and maintain that weight. And most, And most athletes, the pattern that they go through is they would, they would be eight or nine kilograms overweight during their training period. And then through, through uh, the last part, right before the competition, they would go through intense training to get rid of that weight. And then at the very end, if you're st they're still overweight, then they would uh, dehydrate themselves or, or just starve to become lighter. But anyways, this is the importance of self-control. And for us, that's, that's limiting what you're seeing, limiting what you hear, limiting what you're speaking. Look at verse 27. No, I strike a blow to my body and make it my slave so that after I have preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified for the price. If, 
Paul is saying, if I myself do not follow the, the, the sermons that I have preached, then I myself, and then, then the sermon that I have preached will not, uh, will, will not be received by people. It will not become a good influence for them. So the important thing when you're a preacher, when you're a, a speaker for a conference, is not becoming good at proclaiming stuff, but being able to follow the proclamations that you have made. So ministry is actually very easy if you don't... Because it is not up to you to decide. God, God decides that, 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 um, that ministry. He, he does it all through you. But that's why preaching is so hard. It's, because it's not because you have to prepare for the sermon, but because you have to live by that sermon that you have preached. But anyways, self-control is so important. Only through self-control can you be qualified for the prize. So that's why do not, do not neglect your flesh. You gotta make your slave, uh, make your flesh into your slave, and be able to control it. If not, then you will not qualify as a leader. So have control, gain control. And many, many kids who were born into faith have difficulty following God and being obedient to God because they see the lives of their parents. And even though their parents tell them to do what is right in the eyes of God, they themselves do not live that life. And so they're not willing to follow uh, them because nobody became a spiritual model for them. The kids would just say, why don't you follow what you say? So that's why self, uh, self-control is so important. Do not try to move people with your words. You gotta move them with your with your life, with your um, actions. In verse twenty six, therefore I do not run like someone running in I do not feel like a boxer beating the air. If you run aimlessly, then nobody's gonna cheer cheer for you because you never find the finish line. Likewise, if you're a boxer beating the air, nobody's going to applaud you because you're only fighting yourself. So I'm preaching very simply, right? But be cautious not to receive this message with your mind. You've got to receive it with your heart. Right now, it's very difficult for me to preach because I have some sores in my mouth. Let's move on. When you to become a, a good athlete, he competes according to the rules. And it's the same thing that we have just said, just talked about. Let's say you're a boxer, then you gotta punch with your uh, arms. You cannot, you know, you cannot kick your opponent uh, with with your legs. Or if you're running in a race, you have to you have to run towards the finish line, not run towards some other place. So you got you are a good athlete when you're following the rules. 
And when you're living with God, no matter how good you think you are, you cannot follow your own standards. If you live according to your own ways, then you have no relationship with God. The, the word of the Lord has to become your standard and you got to follow the inspirations of the Holy Spirit. And when you do so, you would be victorious. You will finish the race. But if you follow after your own desires, your own standards, then you're just running the race of religion. What's next? The third analogy. The hardworking farmer should be the first to receive a share of the crops. So even though he says hardworking, it doesn't mean the farmer is constantly working, but, but it is saying the farmer is doing what, is, what, what has to be done. The farmer knows what to do at the right time in the right place. So that means a person, a Christian, should be able to should listen to the will of the Lord to, to and know what when is the right time and what is the right place to do something. Sometimes the farmer has to toil the soil. Sometimes he has to uh, sow the seed. Sowing the seed. It's, it's like uh, preaching. So, throughout the season, a farmer has duties that he has to complete. Sometimes he has to take out the weed in his in his farm. Sometimes he, he's got a um, what's that called? Anyways, there's a, there's a lot of chores that the farmer has to do throughout the seasons. But if you don't, if the farmer doesn't do those things correctly at the right time, then his farm is going to go to waste. And God wants us to come, be in a state of prayer at all times, being connected with Him. And that, but there's sometimes that the, that the Lord specifically tells us to do something. For example, like offerings. Even though you offer every week, uh, there are times that the Lord wants to receive a certain offering from you. For example, during the, the blessing ministry, I told Deacon Yunsung to bring me a, a, a present. And I didn't keep that money. I wrote on the envelope, this is the money that, that um, your child Yunsung has given to me. And I am uh, I'm giving this, offering this money back to the Lord, back to the church. And you're receiving a lot of grace today, right? It is because I have received, and God has received your offering. He is pleased with your obedience. And he brought a lot of money, actually. So I was a little tempted to keep it for myself. But in the end, I offered it to the Lord again. So hard... A hardworking farmer is not uh, is not constantly busying himself, but he knows the right timing and the right task to do. And a farmer expects a lot of harvest. 
and he does all those hard work throughout the throughout the year to receive that that huge harvest. Likewise, we our hope is in God. And the reason why we're obeying Him, we're following after Him, we're being loyal to Him, is because we know that He's gonna He's gonna bless us. He's gonna be there. He's gonna become. Oh, he's going to show us a great harvest. And it says, should he, the farmer should be the first to receive a share of the crops. And the reason why the farmer farms is because he wants to receive the crops. He wants to eat the crops that he has harvested. But what this, what this means here is, is we have to live our lives uh, uh, in anticipation of receiving that great reward from God. Because God has called you to be His heir. And He wants you to enjoy His abundance, His riches. So you got to move forward and become a hardworking farmer as you expect and, be, uh, and, and anticipate for that reward. Right now, you're working for the kingdom of God. And you're working not to receive a salary in, in the world, but you're building up your reward in heaven. If you don't have excitement and anticipation for that reward in heaven, then you're only motivated to, to work for a salary. The monarchs of the world, when, when, when a king is coronated, the crown is made of uh, a gold and jewel of Babylon. And likewise, the, all the things that you're doing, the sacrifices that you made, the service that you're doing before the Lord, become these raw materials that, is, that will be used to, 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 to make your crown and make your reward and reward and your treasures in heaven. So it is fine if you're living as a beggar on this earth because you know you're building up rewards in heaven. And that's why our hope is in God and not in this world. When you pray together in, with, for this community, when you offer to it, when you serve it, and when you also serve the, the other remnant of the world, those are not forgotten. Your sacrifices are not forgotten. God, does, God remembers all of the, 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 the things you have done for Him. And the, the, the reward and treasures that you have built up in heaven is already, is already very glorious. And your reward right now is not small either. Amen. So when you become like these three people, you will become an excellent leader of God. First, you've got to become a good soldier. Secondly, become an excellent athlete. And thirdly, you've got to become a, become a hardworking farmer. When you become like them, you will become a good uh, leader of God. In verse 7, that is the conclusion of this analogy. Reflect on why I'm, what I am saying, for the Lord will give you insight into all this. When you, 
So Paul is saying to Timothy, if you live like uh, these three people, then you will become a good leader for your church and your disciples will also be established as great leaders after you. This is how God God leads His churches. He first uh, inspires the, the, the leader, the, the pastor, and then and then the past and the, the followers of the pastors will become leaders themselves and and ble- and become a source of blessing to the people below them. And at times, I'm a little disappointed in you guys. Because you're not growing as much as I want. You're not able to receive as much as I want. But in the perspective of God, you may be growing according to His, his um, timetable. When I try to train you out of my own efforts, my own experiences, my own habits, then naturally I would be disappointed. I would fall into despair when I look at the, the state of your growth. But this is not a reason to be concerned. Sometimes you can be a little sad a little, and be a little irritated. But if you believe that God is in charge of this church, He is still anointing these people and He's still leading these spirits, then it doesn't matter if it takes a little bit of time. You, you, ha- you, can, you just have to wait, endure through this time. Because these people are not raised by my own strength and by my abilities anyways. So I cannot help but to wait. Well, of course, I'm not waiting uh, against my will. I'm waiting out of the love of the Lord I, I, because I have hope in God. But if I'm not waiting for you out of love, then I would just be saying, how long are you going to take, you little bastard? If I'm living by my own standards, then, that, then I would curse at you, I would mock you, because it's taking you guys 20 years to get this far. Imagine if you prayed for something for 20 years, and yet it, it still hasn't uh, been given to you. Won't you be mad? I'm not I'm not mad because I still have a hope in God. And if I fall into despair, God will come to, come to me and say, is this your ministry? Are these your followers? Are they your disciples? So the reason why I'm waiting is not because I'm waiting uh, I'm waiting out of my own uh, expectations and my own hope. No, I'm waiting because I know that God is in charge. I know that God is going to fulfill His promises. And, that, and spiritual endurance is very important, like, uh, especially for the pastors. You've got to wait for your lamb. You've got to wait for the people of the church to, 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 um, uh, to become perf- perfect. So we got to have hope for one another, the hope of God. That's why it's called the endurance of hope. When I look at these faces, many of them are the faces that I'm still waiting on. But you can also question me saying, 
What will you do if you cannot wait? Anyways, starting from verse 8, it talks about our ultimate spiritual model, which is Jesus Christ. Verse 8, remember Jesus Christ raised from the dead, descended from David. This is my gospel. Romans 1, 3 talks about the bloodline of David. And being a descendant from David is also the same thing. The bloodline of David signifies two things. One thing is, is that Jesus came as a man. And secondly, it talks about the, 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 the anointing of the king. And even though the English translation says descended from David, the, 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 it actually talks about the seed of David. It came from, came from the line of David. So it, it is illustrating that Jesus came fully as a man, came from the bloodline of David. So becoming a good believer means you fully believe that Jesus Christ has become our spiritual model, that he came upon this earth fully as a man and was able to live without, uh, without sin. And because, because he was pure, he was able to uh, be put to death and still be resurrected. So through, through his sacrifice, the the word of the Lord, the Holy Spirit, and, and the blood of Jesus is operating within us and is, is helping us to become like Jesus because He's our spiritual model and we are able to receive His ultimate glory, ultimate victory. So remember this. Remember the crucifixion. Remember the sacrifice of Jesus. Remembering means it's constantly within your mind. You're meditating upon it. Every morning, I would wake up and meditate upon the Beatitudes and the Lord's Prayer. And this is a prayer that the Holy Spirit makes me do every morning. Because we gotta, we gotta meditate on the great uh, grace of uh, the, the great grace that, that Jesus has given to us through His sacrifice. The price that Jesus had to pay, and through His sacrifice, I was able to receive righteousness. You gotta meditate upon this word every day. And when you meditate upon this message, that, that, that power operates within you. And as you do so, you would, you would realize more that, that God has made you into His temple. And His holiness continues to turn and operate within you, makes you righteous. So continue to let it turn, let it turn. When you let it happen to you, you will be able to live like Jesus. And verse 8, this is my gospel. Paul says, this is my gospel. And he told the early churches to not preach any, any, any other gospel that is not preached by him. Is Paul being arrogant? No, it's because he fully believes that the truth, that the gospel that has been given to him came from God. And all the early churches operated within, uh, through this one gospel, through the one truth. And the reason why this church is able to move it together is because you're listening to the, the truth that is being spoken through me.
And the reason why you're sitting here is because you acknowledge that the gospel, the truth being spoken by me is the same gospel that has been given to the early churches because it came from God. If you don't believe that, you cannot be sitting here. You cannot be a part of this church. Like we said before, a good... A leader has to become a good soldier, has to become an excellent athlete that follows the rules. So as we live in this church, we gotta be we gotta following that truth. If you do not follow the truth, then you cannot become a church. And even though in the Bible it says the churches are going to flourish, they're going to become great in numbers. Why are the, when you look at the current churches of the world, why are they so small and powerless? Why, why is everything being taken away from these churches? It's because they don't have the truth within their church. There's no spiritual growth. So, in your spirituality, the most important aspect is your ability to be able to receive the message of God fully. A panda, when when he is born, he's only three hundred and fifty grams. But in three weeks, he becomes uh, he, he 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 grows to eight kilograms. And how is that possible? It's because he eats a lot. And pandas grow only when they eat what they what they should eat. Bamboo. They eat. Uh, Tons of, of, of bamboos in a day, and they grow very uh, rapidly because of, the, of that. So you gotta eat what is you gotta eat well, and also eat what is correct, what what is needed in you. When I first when God first came to meet me in one year, I was able to teach people. I was I became a leader of the church because he God let me understand. He has unraveled his his revelations to me. I did everything in the church back then. I was the head of the choir. I taught the kids. I, I ministered the youth. And how is that possible? It's because I received the message of God correctly. So you know, I realized there's nothing else for you to do but receive the message of God in faith. If you. If you, if you soak in the message of God as it is, then you would experience this, this, this powerful growth. So that's why Paul says it is his gospel that he has preached to um, um, the early churches. Let's, let's move on to verse 9. For which I am suffering even to the point of being chained like a criminal. So, even, so because Paul had, was entrusted the gospel of God, he had to go through a suf- his sufferings. And he was even imprisoned and chained like criminals. And the reason why he endured through those sufferings because, is because he was holding on to the gospel of God. People who are, who are bound, who are holding on to the gospel of God will have to go through sufferings. 
But the more they go through sufferings, the more they realize that this is just uh, it is a shortcut for them to to receive the glory of God. So just acknowledge that with with gospel comes suffering. Without suffering, we cannot go go on. But God's word is not chained. So even though his body may be chained like criminals, Paul's. Paul's gospel was not chained in any way. Even when Paul was imprisoned in Rome, he was imprisoned uh, in the royal in the royal court, and the guards would go through. The guards would have rotation in guarding uh, these prison walls. But Paul would preach to those guards who were guarding him, and the people, will, and the guards, would listen to the, this gospel and become believers and go out to spread this gospel to others. So his the, the the gospel of Paul never stopped; it was never chained, even though his flesh was chained. But if you're bound by the life of Bayu, if you're bound to personal affairs, then your gospel will also be chained, will also be bound. But when you're led by the Holy Spirit, you're free, you're liberated, you're a free man. But to those people, their gospel is never chained. But if you're bound, you're chained to the life of Bayu, then your gospel will be because you're tied to your personal affairs. When a person with a high IQ speaks, they speak something that we, that, that, that he speaks a lot of uh, mystery. He can speak of a lot of mysteries and secrets that we, that, 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 that we would have never known before. But let's say you hit him in the head and made him dumb then his intel- intelligence will be bound into, in his brain because he will no longer be able to comprehend a lot of things. Likewise, we've got to be filled with the Holy Spirit and be filled with his message. And with that message comes with, his, comes with God's wisdom and his understanding and allows us to, to, to read the Bible, understand its secrets, interpret it, and share it with others. That, that is what it means to not have your gospel be bound, be chained. So you have to pray to God, so saying, Lord, no matter what happens, help, help, me, help me not to be chained in any way. Help me not to be, uh, for my gospel to be chained. Now we are almost at the end. Verse 10. Therefore, I endure everything for the sake of the elect. So Paul uses the word elect. So Timothy, first and second Timothy was written during the AD sixty-seven. And the reason why God, uh, Paul is using the word elect is because many of the people, many of the saints of the Ephesus Church of Ephesus, has already reached uh, sanctification. And that's why Paul uses the word elect quite often. He acknowledges the saints have already reached uh, sanctification. 
In 837 was when the first church was established. And only in, in a matter of 30 years, uh, the early churches, uh, many of the saints of the early churches have reached sanctification. And after this period, all, all of these churches went through heavy persecutions. Many of them had to go underground and go into catacombs. And the reason why these churches was able to, to endure through those great persecutions was because of the holiness and that they have built up beforehand during this period. So that is, so, that is why it is so important for us to reach sanctification or glorification. The, the holiness, the glorification that they have achieved in this era was what allowed them to endure through this great period of persecutions for 200 years. And Paul is not taking the credit for this church for himself. He acknowledged that God was in charge of this church. And what could Paul do for this church? Is to pray for the church, to endure and be patient with the church. It doesn't make sense for Paul to, 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 to endure for, uh, endure through the church, endure everything for the church when he has raised the church with his own strength, with his own understanding. But the reason why he's able to endure through it is because he knows that God has raised this church. And the only thing that he can do is to be, to be patient, to pray for the church. Therefore, I endure everything for the sake of the elect, that they too may obtain the salvation that is in, Jesus, in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. So it doesn't end with, with endurance, but at the end you would, you would also receive the eternal glory of Jesus Christ. So that's what sanctification is, that's what glorification is, that's what the completion of your salvation is. What is the core of soteriology? It's not going to heaven, but you, for you to be glorified alongside of Jesus. So even though as a pastor, your reward comes in knowing that your uh, comes in seeing your your, your disciples becoming uh, glorified. Paul was able to see that in the Ephesian church during this time. And now, and now Paul is, is praising the Lord for His grace. Let's look at verse eleven. If we died with Him, we will also live with Him. And the early churches has already embodied this message that they know that they have died with Christ and that they have been resurrected with Christ and now they live with Christ. It says, His death is my death. His resurrection is my resurrection. Uh, my resurrection. In verse 12, if we endure, we will also reign with Him. So for Paul, endurance was important. For the saints, endurance is important. We, so it is important for us as well. we got to wait for God. And we're not waiting. 
nervously, but we're waiting with excitement, with anticipation to see what God has prepared. If you do not have hope, there's no point to endurance. What are we enduring for? We are enduring that we are enduring so that we will also reign with Him. So this is the hope of the early church, and this is our hope as well. There's nothing that we are waiting for. There's no reward in this world. We're not here to 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 build up something great for ourselves. Our ultimate destination is to reign alongside of Him. That anticipation, that hope has to be within you as you endure through this time to be kings with with Jesus. Imagine being a king, reigning for a thousand years. At the very least, a thousand years, that is. Aren't you excited for that life? So until that time, we will have to endure through this suffering, endure through these persecutions, until we receive our ultimate victory. If we disown Him, He will also disown us. It is the opposite of verse 13. If we are faithless, He remains faithful. But why does it say if we disown Him, He will also disown us? This is the the declaration of the early church. It's their determination to never go against God, to never disown Him. They're they're saying that they're never going to betray Jesus, even till death. For certain, for a faithless, he remains faithful, for for he cannot disown himself. So, what is? Why is God faithful? He's faithful. He's believing that we have been made holy through His own sacrifice. And he's trusting us. He's trusting us not to disown him, not to betray him. Even, even though your head pastor sometimes doesn't believe in you, God never stops believing in you. Right now, even though many of you are fasting, I doubt, I am not able to believe that some of you will be able to finish, finish this fast. But God believes us. He never, uh, he never distrusts us. Mistrust distrusts us. Are you going to fast 40 days? So even if we are faithless, God has faith in you. When somebody believes in you, you gain, you gain power and strength and encouragement from them. But imagine the King of Kings, the Creator God, believing in you. Then wouldn't you give everything that you have to, to, to meet that faith? He believes in us because He cannot disown Himself. What does, what, what does this mean? This is how much He trusts us and how much He loves us. He cannot disown, He cannot go against His love for us. Even if, if, even if you fall, even if you stumble, even if you uh, become corrupted, God still believes in you. Even when you're drunk, He still believes in you. We cannot do that for somebody else. 
if somebody doesn't pray, we we just can't, we will immediately start to judge that person. But even even if even when you are not praying, God will say, "I'm still believing in you. I still trust in you. Return to me." So what is impossible for us when the King of Kings believes in us? This is how much God loves us. He loves us so much that He was willing to to die for us. And that's why he says that nothing in this world can take you out of, uh, out of my love. And that's why the early churches praised martyrdom. They were glad to die for Christ. Amen? Let's pray. I've kept my promise this time. The sermon was quite brief. Uh, I hope that many new leaders will be raised in this church and the leaders that we have will grow spiritually. And you got to become the leaders of the remnant community around the world. You're going to become spiritual models for them as well. And not only should they follow after our example, they have to become greater. It's not because of us, but because of the gospel that was preached by us. Through this gospel, look at, look at what is happening in China. Pastors are being persecuted. They're being uh, chased out of their countries. And even though it is, it is tragic, we are thankful for it. Because they're, they're willing to, to die for the gospel. That is how tremendous and powerful and important uh, the gospel is within this church. And it is a heavy burden given to us as the headquarters headquarters of this of this ministry so we got to all mature to become excellent leaders and we got to become a good influence to the rest of the remnant community let's pray with this message Lord it is so let every saint in this church become a, a great leader of you Help us to remember that that you have faith in us, that you remain faithful. And we are willing to become your great leaders in this year of 2024. Would you give us all the grace that would require, uh, that we require to grow as your leaders. Let us fall into a deep fellowship with you. Upgrade our spiritual level. Help us to become more perfected Help us to desire for more grace in this time as your servant proclaims would you pour your great leadership upon all the leaders of your young church and through these leaders would you unravel uh, the, the, the authority over materials the authority over people and authority over uh, nature so leaders of Yerbang Church, receive, receive this leadership, receive this anointing, receive this grace. Let's pray. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord, for pouring your great grace upon uh, this first few couple of days of uh, 2024. Help us to continue to know how much you love us, how much you care for us, and how much you have faith in us. Lord, help us to also live in faith and help us to be victorious throughout this year. Raise up, establish your great leaders. And 
We're soon going to go out into the world to spread your gospel again. Lord, you prepare your great victories in all of these conferences. Let your new covenant be established in all of these conferences. And we know and we see that you're preparing our great reward in heaven. Would you help this community to, to live off of your blessings? And help us to prepare for your coming. And we're walking as uh, we have set our, our schedule according to your coming. Would you lead us in this way? And let this church become one and be able to manage the, these ministries. Give us blessings, make us happy, and help us to be inspired by your salvation every day. We know that these are all evidences of our, our fellowship with you. And thank you so much for, for, for raising new leaders in this church and blessing this church with the authority of our materials and authority of our people. Would you continue to fill this community with the fullness of your kingdom? We bless the offerings lifted today. In this time of poverty, you have allowed your riches, your abundance to come upon uh, the remnant of your remnant churches. Would you continue to help us to become a source of blessings to the, to the rest of the remnant community? Bless us, especially bless the businesses, the families of this church. We're going to help us to destroy the work of the enemy and take back the abundance and the riches that were taken away from us. Now, by the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, who is the head of the church, and through the holy love of the Father, and the indwelling, comforting, fulfilling work of the Holy Spirit, to the saints who, are, who have become your leaders, upon their families, upon their churches, upon their uh, inheritance, upon their business, upon Zori ministry, and upon your own church, may this blessing rest from now until forevermore.